This is loudspeaker. Please don't go. I need you so. I. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Feminist Hot Dog, the podcast about finding joy through feminism and living your best feminist life. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you, if you're not already familiar with them, to Robin Hopkins and Jamie Kelton, creators and hosts of the podcast If These Ovaries Could Talk, which as of this fall, they have transformed into a wonderful new book all about what Robin and Jamie have learned about making an LGBTQ family. Robin and Jamie are both lesbian moms, and I don't want to give away too much of the origin story of this project because it's a good one. But it is important to know that when they launched their podcast in 2018, they set out to create space for parenthood stories like theirs that can be really hard to access. Stories about not only navigating assisted reproduction, surrogacy, and adoption, but doing so as a queer, trans, or non-binary person. They also just happen to be the perfect people to talk and now write about these stories, first of all because they're hilarious, but also because they bring a real warmth and sensitivity to their interviews that make both the show and the book a real pleasure and also an opportunity to learn a lot about what LGBTQ people go through to form their families. I have to say, I think this book would make an excellent gift, especially if you have people in your life who care about or are impacted by this issue. It is a really fun and accessible read that features some amazing stories, including Robin and Jamie's own stories. Please enjoy my conversation with the authors of If These Ovaries Could Talk. Well, Robin and Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today on Feminist Hot Dog. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having us. Ooh, we're talking about hot dogs. I'm so hungry. Oh. Jamie's got her little lunch right in front of me. I know. So Should mean. I hide it? I'm no, sorry. it's fine. <laughs> well, before we jump into the many, many questions that I have for you about your awesome podcast, If These Ovaries Could Talk, and the wonderful book, I would love for each of you to just tell me a little bit about yourself and just a quick overview of the show for any listeners who might not be familiar. I'm Robin. I'm from upstate New York uh, originally. I was born a small, tiny white baby upstate in a cabin. I don't know. No, in a cabin? No. Is it a cabin? An actual hospital. Uh, and I'm an actor, a writer, a mom. I am not married to Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we, we like to make like sure to everybody tell knows everyone that, that right, right up the up bat. <laughs> we, I have two kids and I yell at my kids more than I should. How about that? We got to be transparent. It's really hard. It's hard right now. So hard. Um, And I'm Jamie. Uh, If we're going to our origins, um, I'm from San Francisco. I live in New York with my wife and two kids, a six-year-old and a two-year-old. I am also an actress and a voiceover actress and a writer. I can say that now. She can say that. I can. And a singer. And I'm not the wife. Just no. to clarify again. Not the wife. She's not. My wife is um, picking up my daughter right now from her learning pod. You've been podcasting since 2018, is that correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. I loved the origin story that you wrote about in the book. Can you talk about how If These Ovaries Could Talk came about? I, I'm going to try to do this in a nutshell, but <laughs> Robin always never, gets annoyed. We can never do it fast. <laughs> okay, so... My wife had 
our first child, uh, our daughter, and then it was my turn. And it took me a lot longer to get pregnant than I thought I would. Had two and a half years of infertility. And during that time, I started searching the World Wide Web and everywhere I could to try to find stories like mine because I was feeling a little lonely and isolated. And surprise, surprise, I couldn't find any lesbian stories, fertility stories like my own. I would find fertility stories, but they would more than most likely be get, uh, straight. And then they'd always turn to Jesus in some way <laughs> or other, <laughs> which is not my, not my thing. I don't need that, you know? So I, I couldn't believe that. And I was really looking in podcast. I had just discovered podcasts. So I came late to the game. So I was really looking for a podcast thinking, surely somebody has made something about gay people making babies, but no, nobody had. And I couldn't believe it. And every um, year I would see Robin and a bunch of other gay mom friends that we had at the pride family picnic gathering and all of us moms would then we would spend about one hour is that about maybe, accurate? Yeah, at letting the picnic the kids with the kids for the kids and then we go to a gay friendly bar with a kid friendly back room and have margaritas there for for about four hours hold our phone you got this <laughs> and i knew that robin was a an actress as well and i just i just said to her you know what we need to create this podcast and Take it from there, Robin. I don't know. And we, I said, let's have a meeting. We'll meet, we'll meet at my uh, office. And then we made 1,000 Google Docs. Like Robin is a beast and she's crazy. Yeah. And like, I'm a producer at heart. I always have produced my own work. And Jamie didn't know that because we didn't really know each other. We just like yeah. saw each other. Once we were like, oh, there's, there's Anne's wife. Yeah. That's how I knew her because I knew her wife first. And so, you know, she just didn't know that that's how I was. That and, she was crazy. And then it went exactly. insane. And, we, and the next thing you know, it just kept like. I thought this was going to be a fun little hobby. I actually, I'm really good at having ideas and, and, and never acting on them. And I didn't know Robin was crazy. <laughs> I thought if we even did this thing, it would be like a cute little hobby we did on the side. No, 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 no. It's turned into uh, but like a, a thing. It's a it's business. A, we have an LLC business. at this point. But um, it doesn't make any money our business. No, we still haven't made but a it's profit. a business. Yeah. So that's how it was born. Yeah. And um, then it just it just kind of like really early on realized that it was about our our stories, mm-hmm. the LGBTQ stories. It wasn't about like how to make a baby. We just sort of like sh- made a, a right turn and it it spiraled up as we like to say, like suddenly we're sitting in Rosie O'Donnell's living room, like talking to her about her family. It's just, it's so it's been insane. It's been a a fun ride. We knew at that bar that day that we had at least like a season full of friends to be on each episode. And they're like, I think they were all sitting in the bar on that day who were like, yeah, I'll be on it. I'll be, you know, like one that was like, no. And I was like, oh, we'll get them. Yeah. And then we did. And so we knew we had one season at least. But then when we started this thing, we had no idea that people were going to write into us and say, I want to tell my story. And it just, like Robin said, it just spiraled up. It just kept going. And people were writing in because apparently there was a void for this. And people like us wanted to tell their family stories. And also we started targeting people that we wanted. You know, like Rosie was our like like she was our pinnacle. So it's like, we got her in like season three and we were like, now what? Well, but there's still more. There's millions. There's so many. And we just keep finding that there's always a story. Like even if it's two people who did the same exact path, the stories are different, you know, because it's the humanistic element of it, of, of people's journey that we find really fascinating. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned as you've become you call yourself kind of unprofessional experts in the topic of LGBTQ family formation. Are are there things that have really surprised you? Yeah, there's been some like interesting things. Like 
IVF, IVF vacations. I didn't know that was a thing. That's a thing. The IVF, that um, intracell thing. Intracell, you can. Two people carried. Two people can carry the same baby. Like, like yeah, it was like one woman. Star, uh, one woman uh, starts it off for the first. But in like a little plastic thingy inside, inside the uterus. Of her, and, and then the, they move it from one uterus the other. to the other uterus. So the other mom can finish off growing the, the first one only has growing. it for like five days or so but still, I don't even still pretty cool. it, 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 anyway yeah there are a lot of things like that a lot of new things and a lot of things that and this is what made the book come about too i think we started realizing that there are themes that come up while we all have very different stories and each story is unique we all tend to have these similar themes that come up like uh, like we always say Choosing a donor is such a process and it can get, you can get so bogged down in the specifics of choosing a donor that every time it comes up on an episode, we set, we've coined the phrase, ah, the search for Superman, here it is. Cause you, all of a sudden you're looking for Superman or Superwoman yep. um, and you're looking for this ideal person that just doesn't exist. And so like these themes came up and that's how we broke the book up into the themes that come up with each family in each episode. And, and there was things that I think we learned, but like, it was just more like you just didn't put it together. Like you knew that, or I knew that you're going to have to pay to make a baby, but I didn't really think about the process that no matter what, as an LGBTQ person, you have to pay to in some way to, to have a baby. I think that didn't like sink in for me until we had repeated, repeated guests and you're talking about the struggle of the finances. And then really, like, really when we were putting the book together, then it was like, oh, it was just all laid out in front of us. Like, oh my goodness. The journey and how hard it is. We have gone through this journey and we have all gone through this struggle and we have, you know, in our own separate ways. Yeah. What did ultimately make you decide to turn your podcast into a book? I mean, I think it was about the themes. It was about the fact that these themes were coming up repeatedly. And in the way that we do the podcast is each week we highlight a family, whether it's a single mom by choice or, you know, a couple or however that family dynamic is. And so you're just hearing that one person's story. But we knew as the themes were emerging that we could tell an LGBTQ family broad umbrellas. Yeah. Like of all these different stories by picking and choosing bits and pieces and centering it around themes. Mm -hmm. So that way it's like when we're talking about the finances or like, let's take a new, a new chapter about coming out as an, as an LGBTQ family, how we all have to come out as families. We were like, Oh, she talked about that. He talked about mm-hmm. that. And so then when a, when a reader is going to look at that chapter, they're getting that full experience of all the different ways that coming out feels for people. It's a different experience. Like the podcast is about one person, one family. And then this is about a, a spectrum of people. And I think we just knew that would be a really a really cool thing to put forward that that people would be really interested in it. And that's why it's an easy book to read because you can jump to wherever you what your focus is. Yeah, for that moment. I'm thinking about how many interviews we've done. We're uh, about to do our 100th episode. Yeah. <gasps> Congratulations. Well, that's that's a lot of material. So, I mean, just on a practical level, how did you approach deciding how to organize the book and which interviews to use? Well, to be fair, when we started writing the book, we only we only used two the first seasons. Three seasons. Oh, the first three. That's right. We added. The, we were in the middle of the third yes. season when we started writing the book, and so some of some from the third season got put in. 
but we sat down and we mapped it all out and we both listened to well what we did the process Having was acid flashbacks i know it was a lot but we split up all of the episodes from those seasons between the two of us and our task was to go through and write down where and when each theme from the book came up in each episode and then we had to go through and decide well which ones are we going to use and yeah um, and then we had to like, do the transcription and yes. then we had to clean all that up and then put them in the doc and then, and then that had to be put into book format. And then mm-hmm. we had to like contextualize everything because like, otherwise it would just be a book of transcripts and right. it's mm-hmm. not that mm-hmm. like we really wanted to make sure that like our voice is really present in it. And so, they flowed together. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. So we set up each chapter like with the intro piece and then Jamie and I each have our stories for that theme of that chapter. And then there's contextualizing that happens around each clip. So it's like, so it, so it walks you through who the person is, what they're saying, why they're saying it. And then, and like, and there was a real art of laying the clips out so that it had a flow so that it would be like a journey. Each chapter would feel like a journey. Like you were going from someone talking about the science into, you know, like, maybe then the donor's point of view and then maybe a kid's point of view. And so it just has like a real arc. And that, that just was a lot of tinkering. Some of the chapters were easier to do that with than others. If you were going to recommend that somebody start somewhere, is there somewhere you would send them? The second half of, I mean, I don't, they're like our children, but the second half of the book is my favorite because it is, the first half is about the actual process of and the ways in which we make our family. But the second half of the book is about the journey once you have your mm-hmm. child, like what mm-hmm. it's like to be out in the world. And that for me is the more emotional stuff. And that, that, that resonates with me a lot. And I, I do, I like, it's being out as a family, that chapter. And I love that chapter really a lot. I also love talking to your kids about, their LGBTQ yep. family. That's a wonderful chapter. Even like about the non-bio parents, like what their experience is. Right. But in, in part one, my my favorite chapter in part one is the scientific route paths and pitfalls because it walks like it walks it's, you through all these different people's stories of basically insemination and mm-hmm. how they did it. And there are some fun pitfalls and yeah. there are some fun, funny stories. And there are some serious stories as well, yeah. but um, it's a really dense chapter because obviously we all had to go through some sort of insemination. Um, well, and that- there's so many different points of view of mm-hmm. like from the donor to the, 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 you know, it's like, it's just all, there's yeah. a lot so in I, there. I really love that chapter too. It's a fun read. I'm curious to know if doing the podcast or now writing the book has changed the way you either approach parenting or think about parenting or any of the other areas of your lives. I will say I've had a lot, I've had conversations with my guests in the back of my head, many instances lately, actually, with my daughter, because my daughter's six, and she's just at the point where she's starting to ask about her donor and her origin story, and she's getting a little curious, and every time she comes to me with a question, one of my, one of the guests who said something brilliant pops into my head, and I do what they did, like, for instance, (laughs) she asked me, what does the donor look like, and I remember we had a guest, um, Emma Emma T, we call her in the book, she was a daughter of lesbians, born through a donor in the 80s, 
And so we had her on. She just talked about her experience. And she said when she got curious as a kid, she sat down with her mom and they drew a picture of what she thought her donor looked like. And she said, in the end, that's really all that mattered. What I thought of him, who he was in my mind. And once I drew that picture, it was done. I was over it. I felt... I felt fulfilled and I didn't ask that question again until my 20s or something. I mean, I'm not saying that's how my daughter's experience is going to be, but I, she came in my head. I sat down with my daughter. We drew a picture of her donor. We named the donor and it was done. And she seemed like she got exactly what she needed from it. And I was so happy to have that because I probably would have fumbled through that conversation otherwise. Yeah. I think there's also like validations that happen Mm -hmm. of like, of seeing other people we had Lisa, the therapist on who talked about this dropping the seeds method of how you give your kid about their origin story, a little bit of information. And as they get older or as they ask, you add on and you add on and you add on and the story becomes constantly dropping the seeds. And like, it was a nice validation because that's what instinctively I was doing. And so there's been like some of that and like, and, and there's, there's also been like, what Jamie said of just moments of being like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that and I'm mm-hmm. gonna add that to my parenting. Mm-hmm. More parenting, I would say, because we're we already have our kids. I think if we were doing this before, I'm I don't know. I mean, I, this is a really interesting question, but I might have done something differently. Yeah, like now that we know so many. Yeah, all like, I knew was what my friends did. Sperm banks. Yeah, we did what our friends did. We call that LGBTQ drafting in the book where you just like follow blindly along the path of what your friends did Mm because they've done the research and you're like, cool, can I borrow your research? Your kid looks good. Yeah, that worked. (laughs) We did it about vacations. Like, oh, is that a gay friendly place? Or (laughs) Mm -hmm. what good lesbian bars are there? You know, so it's like, it was just very natural to then be like, oh, how did you make your baby? Mm -hmm. You know, like we're going to take that. And, but I, you know, I don't know if maybe I would have ended up in the same place, but now we definitely, there's other things I, yeah, I know more information about that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could buy your donor out of retirement. My kids have different donors. I bought my donor um, out of retirement. And I would have tried that. But then I wouldn't have the kid I have. Right. So, so. like, you know, it's like you can, you're the, we, we always say the family that you're meant to have shows up. And you know. guests have said that too. Yes. Hi, it's Adrienne, just jumping in here to put in a plug for a holiday gift idea that would actually pair really well with Robin and Jamie's book, A Monochrome Candle. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm obsessed with these candles, and I actually like burning them when I read books in the bathtub because they smell amazing in a really gentle, natural way that never feels artificial or overpowering. My current favorite scent is balsam fir, which is a really bright, fresh scent that's perfect for winter. These are hand-poured, small-batch candles made by a woman-owned business just outside of Chicago. And Feminist Hot Dog listeners get 15% off their order at checkout using the code HOTDOG at shopmonochrome.com. That's hot dog at checkout for 15% off your purchase at the shopmonochrome.com website. Imagine you're burning one right now. Take a deep, relaxing breath and enjoy the rest of the episode. One of the things I really love about the book is that you emphasize the diversity within the LGBTQ community, that this, you know, and even within each letter of the acronym, there is tremendous complexity and diversity, right? So you just can't say like, this is how people feel, or this is what people do or what people want. Can you give us an example of some of the different ways some of your guests went about forming families or maybe some of the different values that guided their decisions? 
we had we had one and maybe it's a bad example to start with because it didn't go well but it was a a lesbian who made a baby with her two gay best friends and then they ended up in litigation which is like a little bit that one was in there for like a bit of a you know just make sure you know what you're doing cautionary but, tale. but we had a, a trans couple who um it was a, a trans woman and a, a lesbian and and they just did it the she wrote an article in the times about how they they made a baby the old-fashioned way which was very very hard for for the trans woman to do because she had to go off of her hormones Mm. um and had to essentially live in a body that felt not terrible to her in order to make this baby happen and then there have we talked to other trans people who said no i would never ever do that we're getting a donor you know Mm -hmm. Um, there's also a, a, a gay man who donated to lesbians and and that he's he considers considers himself the father but he doesn't he just like visits them on occasion. So he's just the donor, but he's like, I'm a dad and these, these are my kids. So it's like, there's all, just like all these different. Yeah. And when it comes to, you know, race, we're, we're a rainbow of all colors. We're a rainbow of sexualities and genders and colors. Gender. And, and all of it. And, um, you know, we had one couple, Jana and Linda, they're in the book. And the, Linda's main thing she wanted was they're, they're a, black a black couple. Donor. And she said, he has to be black. He's got to be black. And she went to the ends of the earth. To, it's very hard yeah. to find black donors. Actually, yeah. there's like a don't, black donor shortage. She needed it to be a known donor because of she wanted a known black donor and she went to the ends of the earth to find a donor but you know that's we like all, a very funny story that's one of my that's favorites a fun story that. and that's in the you know in the, the book, pats yeah. and pitfalls and things so we come at it with our own needs and wants and like like we keep saying no two ways to go about this are the same yep I also want to bring up the fact that you're clear that you're not legal experts, but you are familiar with many of the sort of legal challenges that swirl around uh, LGBTQ family formation because it's so dependent on country and context and also what kind of approach to family formation you might take. And I know also that right now, some of these issues are kind of more under scrutiny or under threat than they have been in in some recent years. So can you summarize some of the issues that maybe our listeners might not be aware of or should be keeping their ears out for just from kind of a social activism point of view? Yeah. Well, a hot one right now because of the recent, the two Supreme Supreme Court Court justices who have written a petition saying that we should get rid of yeah, Alito and a same-sex marriage. Second parent adoption is a is a hot topic right now. You have to get that second parent adoption to ensure the rights of your family, to ensure the rights to your children if you're a same-sex couple. Because uh, just having your names on a birth certificate does nothing. That only proves identification. It does not prove proof of parentage. Birth. Yeah. So that is something that all lawyers, all the people in law that we have spoken to, highly, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? Suggest, recommend, recommend that we all get second parent adoption to, to make sure nobody can take our kids away. With this issue that Jamie was talking about with the, with the Supreme Court justices talking about this, second parent adoption is legal in every single state, it, but you have to be married in a lot of them. And so if the marriage goes away, that could really seriously mess with second parent adoption. We aren't legal ex- we experts. But, but we want you to, if you, you hear what we say, then go Google it and yeah, make sure do right. your resource, <laughs> research too. But that, but that is going to be a very, very serious thing for us, the ramifications of the court pick. That, that's the biggest one, I think. It's, just, it's, it's a little scary. Mm. 
consider yourself feminist and no judgment if the answer is no. I've had lots of people on the show who say no, but I'm just curious. And if so, if you wouldn't mind telling me about some of your feminist milestones. I love the word feminist. I, I consider myself a feminist. I don't know if I'm your best example of a feminist, though. I call myself a feminist, but I don't know if I do anything extra special to be a feminist. I think I would say that um, creating this podcast and book is one of the best things I could have done as a feminist. And I don't know if Robin agrees because I don't think she's a feminist. I you know what it is, is just like, I think I have this old school idea of what a feminist is from like growing up and they're at rallies and they're doing all this stuff. And I just don't think that that's who I am. But like Jamie did say, like the fact of what we're doing does fit the definition of it. It's more, I feel like, I think I would feel more comfortable saying like, like a quiet activist. (laughs) Um, But I also feel like for me, a lot of what I love about this podcast and what I love about this is it's always been and always will be about people's personal journeys. That's what I'm so attracted to. And, and, and that comes with the plight of a journey and that comes with like the obstacles and the hardships. I am the person who at my, at all my jobs, like I would, I used to have a couch in my little area and people would come and sit on my couch and, and just tell me all their problems. And I'd be like, let's, get into that that's what I love about you know like did Jamie hates that but like I like I'm the person who we when we're in a bar after four drinks I'm gonna be like let's talk about your childhood she likes to therapize yes it's fun let's let's be real though like creating this podcast yes it's about families and it's about family stories but it's about gay ones so it's radical it's yeah. radical yeah. in the fact that that doesn't exist. So I think you're a feminist. I, I mean, it's, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I just don't put myself in that box, but it's like, cause I also think about, I love some of my favorite episodes and some of the favorite moments, even in this has been about like our Jamie and I's personal relationship and as, as co-hosts and business partners and like working through things. Like I just, I'm very fascinated by all of that. And so I, I am very drawn to the community that we have built. Jamie and Robin introduced me to the term queer spawn, which refers to the children of LGBTQ parents, several of whom are featured in the book. Their identities and stories are a really important part of the larger universe of LGBTQ parenting, as Jamie explains. They kind of like have a foothold in both the straight world and the gay world, but the gay world is a part of that their identity, even if they don't end up identifying as gay, they still feel like that their identity is enmeshed in the gay community. And so they kind of act as ambassadors between the two worlds in many, in many instances. Yeah. They become activists for gay rights. I would also talk about Stacey Ann Chin too. I mean, we have had her on twice and she is just a a feminist with a capital feminist. Like she is, she is a powerhouse. And you just kind of get on the Stacey Ann Chin chain and hold on, hold on for dear life. Yeah. But she just, I think she says some really radical and and really um, powerful, powerful things. She was one of the people that like Jamie often says that when we were reading back, like you'd sometimes like in the interview, so many powerful things are coming at you that you can't take it all in on a deep level. But when you read it back, it's, it's so very so powerful, much powerful in stuff. Everything she said. Yes. And then you're writing and it hers down. Are all like essays. Yeah. And they're just like, she speaks so eloquently. And you're just and- like, wow, how did you just pack yeah. so much punch in that one well, paragraph? Yeah. Race and gender and about it all. And everything. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go to the you can go to the back of the book and you find every page that she's on and then you can just follow her story throughout the book. Yeah, that Ooh. was one of my favorite things that we did was putting in the back like so that you can you can read it by chapter, 
you can read it front to back or you can read by person. So if you want to just follow one person's journey, you can just go, oh my God, she's so interesting. I want to see what else she said. It is very much a choose your own adventure. You know, you can kind of dive in at any point in the book. It's, it's awesome. Much like creating an LGBTQ family. Ooh. Well, I mean, you do choose have to your own adventure. You I see what you did there. I've always mean to choose your own. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So what's next for If These Ovaries Could Talk for the podcast, the book, and the business? Like we said, we're just about to drop our 100th episode. We've added a live stream that we do on Thursdays at 4 o'clock on Facebook. Um, And that's really exciting because we've expanded our voice a little. And so it's like Jamie and I might be talking about parenting, which we'll talk a lot about, or LGBTQ news News. or pop culture. And so that's been really nice. And so we get to hear from our community because they can comment and stuff so we can have conversations we're putting out into the universe television. Someone's gonna. <laughs> someone's putting us on television. We don't know who it is yet. I keep saying Oprah, but then I remember that Oprah's show's not on anymore. But no. we'll be on Soul Soul. What's it? Soul um, Circle. Soul. Oh my god. Soul Conversations. What's the name of oh the podcast? Oh my god. Now I, and I soul. listened to it religiously, and now you just said it what funny, and it? now I can't think. Of, oh, it's like Super Soul Conversation. Soul Conversation. Love. So Oprah. we're gonna put we that out Oprah. into the universe. Who could be on the Ellen Show? I mean, I don't I mean, know. Listen. Um, I feel like everybody's mad at Ellen now, so we got a good chance. <laughs> like, like now is now is when they're gonna put us on. Yeah, you know the sky's the limit. We just want to. We really. Bottom line is, we want to keep getting these stories out there. We want our voices, and when I say our, I mean the entire community, the entire LGBTQ family community. We want our voices heard because we say this all the time: representation matters. And if there's a kid in the middle of nowhere with no gay references, no nothing to grow up to to emulate the more we get our stories out there chime in here because i'm i'm oh, losing okay. myself so the, the more that gives them the opportunity to live into that yeah the more they, and then they might not i saved you and then you kept going yeah well and then period. they you know they, they <laughs> you know as long as they see something that they can emulate live up to see something say something wait no, no that's something else <laughs> oh robin you know what i'm saying we do we representation do. matters and kids need to see families like ours to see that they can have one and also tv and movies <laughs> is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like feminist hot dog listeners to know either about you or the podcast or the book just that we absolutely love telling these stories and we we're so thankful that this community is being created and and that we're even a part of it it's mm-hmm. just it's been it's been an honor in all seriousness to be able to like I, the, like the emails that we get from people saying like I was in such and such a state and I didn't know how to do it or like like I just felt alone. Those are like those emails are I we, we forward them back and forth to each other because it's a shared email account. We're like, oh my god, did you see this one? And there <laughs> and we have this one lady who she keeps she's she's in on bed rest right now and she's chiming into our live stream from the hospital and sends us pictures of where the baby is and and we're like right now literally sending out vibes to her to to be able she's got she's having some issues for the baby to stay in there as long as possible. Mm-hmm. It's like what a an amazing gift to have these people share these moments with us and to bring us in their journey. Like literally someone wants us to send them an ovaries talk Mm t-shirt for their um, second anniversary because it's the cotton anniversary. She wanted us to send it. It's like, we're becoming a part of these people's lives. And it's like, that's an, that's an honor. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, 
it, it is turning out to be more work than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that's for sure. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I love it so much. And I am really so proud that it's even in existence. Yeah. So it's easy to do this work. It's, it's just wonderful. It's beautiful. If These Ovaries Could Talk is a beautiful book. And if you haven't gathered already, I highly recommend it and that you listen to Robin and Jamie's podcast and follow their work on social media. I want to thank them both for joining me during these strange pandemic times and for creating space to bring these important and, yes, radical conversations into the world. If you enjoyed this conversation, I hope you will show your support for the show by rating and subscribing on Apple Podcasts. And a way I like to support my listeners is by publishing a really awesome newsletter every other week that is really intentionally different from typical newsletters. It is a real letter that I write to my listeners about my thoughts and experiences and recommendations. And honestly, people really love it. So if you aren't getting it already, I would like to personally invite you to subscribe. You can do that via the website or you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram and I would be happy to add you. Feminist Hot Dogs theme music is by Ava Luna and Loyalty Freak Music. Thank you again for joining me. And as always, love yourself and love your buns. This is Loudspeaker.